Well, good evening. Good evening. Welcome to the Christmas Eve candlelight service. Uh, I hope you all got a candle as you came in. If not, there's time to go back and get one just by the door. And you'll notice on the back of the bulletin, it tells you a little bit about how we're going to handle the lighting of the candles to keep everything as safe as possible. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit, Matthew 1.18. As you're able, please rise and join us as we open our worship with angels we have heard on high. There were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born Savior, who is the Messiah of the Lord. Suddenly there was the angel of a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, We light the Christ candle to remind us that the Savior is born.
Matthew 1, verse 21 says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Once again, as you're able, please rise and join us as we continue our worship. say thank you for attending our candlelight service tonight we are so thankful and grateful that you're here and to honor and worship our Lord I'm going to be reading from scripture this evening from Matthew 2 1 through 12 and it's a very very grateful and inspiring book of the Bible so bear with me I may stutter like Mel Tillis but we'll get through it <laughs> the contrast now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, Where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from, from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Uh-oh. The confirmation. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, and when they come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures and presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, then the change. Then being divinely warned in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed for their own country another way. Now I'm going to tell you this about how important that was. But also I'd like to invite you tomorrow service at 10 o'clock here. We have a Christmas service. So all of you are more than welcome to attend if you choose to. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. Have you ever searched for somebody? Have you ever found somebody that was lost that you couldn't find and it scared you half to death? When I was a young man, we had memorial days in our town. And in the memorial day, what they would do is they would have these big parades. They'd invite all the cities from the county. Over 100,000 people would come and they'd have a parade. And then at the end of the parade in the Memorial Park, which was right down by the river and by Memorial Pool and by Memorial High School, what they did is they had a big celebration. They had speakers. Now, my father worked in police work, so he was working that day. But my mother, who's a brave little woman, took all three of us munchkins <laughs> to the Memorial Day Parade. And at the end, they had the closing ceremonies, and she drove us down there, and we parked. And then we went into it, and it was over 100,000 people. And about five minutes into it, we realized my four-year-old brother was gone. I was seven. My sister was 10. And if you knew anything about my brother, he always had ants in his pants. He always had to go somewhere, wander off. We started searching for him. We got our friends searching for him. We talked to the police. And then there was a group of people that my sister knew who came in, and they said, Oh, we just saw your brother. He was sitting on the hood of the car waiting for the family so that he'd be, they'd go home again. Here what had happened, he got disconnected from us, couldn't find us, and just went back to the car and sat. I don't know to this day how he knew where that car was. Well, today we're going to talk about a group of people who were foreigners. They were a thousand miles away who came searching for the king of the Jews. Here they were, magi. They were the wise people of, this, um, of the Assyrian world. Some of them believed they were from the Babylonian area. In fact, the reason that they were following the stars because of a Daniel who was at one time 700 years earlier when Israel was captured by Babylon. He became one of the high ups in the Magi group because of his ability to talk and know the future. And he was given the top honor of being in charge of these folks. And these were people who studied. 
They were people who had medicine. They had all kinds of knowledge. And especially, they were astrologers. And what they would do is they would read into it what God was saying through the stars and the movement. And here they had probably read, they believe, some of Daniel's work that talk about a 70 weeks in which the Messiah would come to the world. And here they come. Following the stars from a thousand miles away. Looking for the one who's the king of the Jews. The Messiah. And here they come. And it's just not, you know, we hear the three, three kings. Mel, Larry, and Curly. That's not true. It was 300 people that were in this caravan. Soldiers to protect them. They brought food and they brought all kinds of things. And they showed up in Jerusalem. Because they knew it came from Judaism. And they are following this star. And they stop and speak to Herod the king. And they ask Herod who was a Jew. Do you know where the king of the Jews is to be born? Of course he was a little nervous. He thought his job was on the line. That's why later on. Mary and Joseph and the baby had to run to Egypt. Because they were killing the babies in Bethlehem. What happened was they came to him and asked him, and he said, I don't know. But his high priest, his priest at the temple didn't know. And the weirdest thing was, they were only three miles away where Bethlehem was, where Jesus was born. And they didn't go there. In fact, the Magi followed the star, and there they found Jesus. What a contrast! Both of them studied about the Messiah. Both of them studied about God. But here, these Jewish folks who were religious and yet did not connect with the Messiah. They said they were religious. They knew the prophecies. In fact, they told them. They said that, and they quoted Micah's prophecy that was given 600 years before that, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, three miles away. Isn't it amazing that there are people in our country who claim to be Christians? They say they love Jesus. They follow the Christian way. But... Their lives don't show it. It's tragic, isn't it? Kind of like the, the priest here. They knew about their religion. But did they really know Christ and God in their hearts? Surely a tragedy. It kind of reminds me, the other day I was riding in the car. And I heard a song by the great prophet of our age, Willie Nelson. And it reminds me of that what happens sometimes with people with Christianity. Because he was singing, you are always on my mind. Now, if any of you know that song, all through the verse, he's saying, honey, I know I should have thought of you and I should have done this and I should have done that and I didn't take care of this and I didn't do this. All the things that you would do if you love somebody. But honey, you were always on my mind. Now, how many women would take that? 
What a bunch of bull. And we know that the same thing happened here. Here these people were very religious or they thought they knew God. And didn't even take the time to go with the Magi. Three miles away to see the Messiah, the baby Jesus. And they totally missed it. What he came for. And yet the Magi, who studied this, learned about it, sought to discern from God what this meant. They came to the manger. And the manger is not one wooden little thing that looks so nice. It was really, they were rocks that were carved out and they put hay in them. And that's where they fed the, 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 uh, the sheep and the, and, and the animals. And they put Jesus in there. And here they come with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And what they are doing really is prophesying about Jesus and what he did. Because you see, the myrrh is this, what they use when they embalm bodies. And we know Jesus Christ went to the cross to die for our sin and was laid in the grave. And in three days he rose again from the dead. And so here they were prophesying, and little did they probably know... That Jesus would die for their sins and for ours. And then they also gave them frankincense, which is what they gave to priests who would pray for the sins and slaughter for the sins so that they'd be forgiven. And that's why Jesus came to die. He came to die to forgive our sins. And that he would be gold, which is for a king, that he would be king of our lives. And today the passage is saying to us, look at what the Magi are saying to us. Do we really trust that Jesus died for our sins and taken them away? Do we really trust that Jesus Christ, I need Jesus Christ to forgive my sins and wash away my sins? Do I trust him and do I give him my life and do I make him king of my life? You know, a lot of Christians or people who claim to be Christians, they seem to be doing good in their lives. But when those little things happen, or even some big things, you find out where their faith lies. I know people who mean to say they're Christians, but sometimes they get into these ruts of not forgiving people not doing or being kind to people. And they wonder why that is, because they've lost touch with the Savior in their lives. And just like in Willie Nelson's song, Oh God, we have you on our mind, but haven't spent time with you much lately or haven't talked to you or haven't been my heart over. And when these folks finally leave, what a wonderful thing. They go a different way. They're told not to go the old way. Back through and tell the king because he wants to kill him. But to be different people in their lives. And when we come to know Christ, 
when he's Lord of our lives as Christians, we are different. We treat people different. We act differently. And we live differently. One of the tragedies of today is that we are losing the Christian value system in America today. We are losing the Judeo-Christian heritage that our early nation's fathers laid down. And we can see it in the young people, in the brokenness that they have. I can't tell you how many suicides I've gone to for the police department of children under 21 years old. Last week we had three of them. That I know of. Because I had to deal with two of them. This generation is broken. In fact, the median age for which we lived, you know, used to be almost 80. It's dropping. Do you know why it's dropping? Because of young people. No, we as senior citizens are being taken care of by Medicare. But it's dropping because drug overdoses. And now even more so if you listen to our sheriff and our police chief, fentanyl. The second thing that is taking the age down is young suicide. People who don't have an anchor in their lives. They need Christ. We need to tell them that. We need to show them Christ. And we need to tell them about it. And the third thing, of course, is murder. Those three combining between the ages of 20 and 35 are bringing the age down. And tonight, I want to encourage you. You as a parent. You as a grandparent. You as a friend. You know, it's amazing. Christmas is a great time. Because the message of Christianity is out there. I walked into one store the other day and they had Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Great hymn. Playing on that Muzak in the store. And if everybody knew what was saying in that song. One of the things it says that. He came to redeem us. Born that we no longer will die. Born to give us second birth to be born again. Born that men no longer will die. And he also speaks about how we were at enmity with God. In that song, in that chorus. And how he reconciles us to God. God who's angry at us because of our sin. And we who are angry because we don't want to do it God's way. We want to do it our own way. And the Bible and this song says that's why he came. To reconcile us to God. Make us right. And so today... I know Charlie Brown would be pretty proud of his tree compared to mine. But I, I wanted to give you something that you can talk to your kids, your grandkids, about the gospel. And how important it is for their lives. And that they know what the gospel means.
I was driving past McDonald's on Ridge and 21st, and they had this beautiful Christmas tree, all lit up. And then I heard a presentation of how to share the gospel with a Christmas tree. And to show people, show your children, get them to think about Christ. And he said, look at this tree. Look at its shape. It's kind of like a triangle. And it reminds us that God our Father who loves us sent his perfect and only son to die for us and sent us the Holy Spirit to live inside us, to make us new. That the shape points upward to heaven and that the tree has always been for a long time, even before Luther, Martin Luther, it's called an evergreen tree. Why is it called evergreen? Because it's eternal. Yes? All right, it's green forever. He knows. It's a symbol of everlasting life. And that during the time of Martin Luther, Germans had this tree. They had a celebration. It was on December 24th. And it was called the Paradise Tree. And what they did is they put dates and nuts and all kinds of to remind them of the fall of Adam and Eve into sin. And Martin Luther went out, and as he was looking around, he saw the beautiful sky, and he was looking underneath these beautiful forests, and he saw the lights of the stars. And he came back, and he started the tradition of putting lights on the Christmas tree to symbolize that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And he came to be the light to all mankind. And that... In that tree was red berries, reminding us of Jesus giving his blood on the cross so that we could be saved and that our sin can be forgiven, that we can be given eternal life. And that we also know that some have a blanket on the bottom and it's white. And the reason why it's white is because of what Jesus did on the cross. When a person accepts Christ into their lives, the Bible says you're righteous. You're God's righteousness. So that when you die and go to heaven, God doesn't see you with your sin, but he sees you robed in the white, pure righteousness of Jesus Christ. And says, there's no sin in that person because of Christ's covering. And that there's a gold strand. Sometimes it's a gold piece of ribbon. To remind us of the gold that we have looking forward to us in the streets of heaven because of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you folks will talk this story. In fact, I put it in the bulletin today.
You have it on your little sheet there. And on that little sheet is some of the aspects. And you can talk to your grandkids and say, now why do you think the tree is shaped this way? Or why is it pointing upward? So that you can share with them. And you can say to them, would you like to have Jesus in your heart? To be forgiven and know you're going to heaven with grandma and grandpa? And you can share that with them. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to pray today for this congregation. We realize that there's a generation growing out without you. We know the world wants to push you out of the public square. I know they don't want you to be sharing your news because they feel that man is the king of his castle of the world and he doesn't, we don't need God. But I pray, Jesus, that we can be part of a movement. As 11 disciples back in Jerusalem started to turn the world upside down for you and change it and made Western civilization especially benefit by trusting you and knowing you, God. And making America a great place because of knowing you and our forefathers laying down the laws of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights because they wanted you to be honored and you were. I pray, Father God, now for these folks as they minister to their families and their grandchildren that they can see Jesus in us and that we can communicate to them the wonderful hope that we have and they can have in you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, Christ. Amen. At this time, we'll receive our offering. Father, we pray for these gifts that they're given from the hearts of these people. And we want to thank you, God, for the wonderful blessing of the gift that you gave us. As Paul said, it's an indescribable gift. We can never pay it back, but we're so blessed because you've given us so much. We want to, in gratitude, give you back a portion. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.
time, we're going to begin our communion service. When we begin with the prayer of confession that I ask Scott, our elder, to come forward and lead us in. For our communion this Christmas Eve, please join me in this morning and this evening's prayer of confession. All-knowing Father, you know and have seen how we have acted this week. There were times we lived up to our calling as Christians, but there were other times we did not do so well. We admit there were things we shouldn't have done that we did, and we disobeyed your will and committed sin. From the words that came from our mouths to the bad attitudes and sinful thoughts we entertain in our minds, we need your mercy. We confess other times we should have taken action or said something when a wrong was being done or said, but instead we didn't do anything. Almighty God, thank you for showering us with the cleansing blood of Jesus that washes away all our sin. Amen. Our assurance of forgiveness this evening is from Matthew 1, verses 20 through 21. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Guidelines for living this evening comes from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead to you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Reminded of what communion is, there are three things that take place while we take the supper. First, it's a remembrance of what Jesus Christ has done for us and how he died on the cross and built a new covenant with God for each one of us who truly trusts and believes him with our lives. It's also a communion that he's present here tonight with us, communing with all of us and being with us in true affirmation and spirit. And that also we come to this table for hope, knowing that our hope is grounded in him, and we have no fear of death, but we have great hope for eternity. It's with that that we come to him, and we participate, and we invite everybody who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who trust him with their life and eternity, to come and join us and receive this communion to our help and to our hope. The Lord Jesus, the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat, this is my body, which has been broken for you. This do in remembrance of me.
in remembrance of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us. Also in remembrance of his blood, he said, This do ye as often as ye drink this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love that sent your most precious gift to mankind and that we could have life because of this blood that was spilled and his life that was paid for us. Thank you for this wonderful gift that we celebrate every year and every day in our lives. And it's through him we pray this. Amen. It was my intent to end the message with the wonderful truth of John 3.16.
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have his eternal life. And one of the things I want to do is for us to take from the Christ candle, as we do every year, and remind us, you have, a, you have a weapon, I call it a weapon, but a tool, that you have now with the Christmas tree in all of our, probably our homes, to share that gospel with your family or grandkids. And I want to encourage you, not only with your family, but let your light shine throughout the world for Jesus. That's what we lighten these candles for, is to remind all of us. And the way to do this is the person who has the lit candle, hold it straight up. And the person who doesn't have the lit candle, dip it into that light. So that we can show that we want to commit to ourselves of being lights to the world. Let's stand together and sing Silent Night.
want to thank you for coming tonight and may Christ fill your homes with joy. This wonderful gift that God has given. Let us pray. Lord, we just are so overwhelmed to think that you would leave heaven. The perfection, no pain, no suffering. And to come walk this earth for us and take the abuse and the rejection and also that your own wrath was poured upon you, Christ, for three hours on Calvary's day so that we would never have to feel any of the pain of hell. Thank you, God, for such an indescribable gift. We praise you, God, that you know our name we pray, Christ. Amen. Let's sing our closing song, For God So Loved the World. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, who died on Calvary, from sin to set us free. Someday he's coming back, what glory that will be. Wonderful his love to me.